Welcome to another episode of Speak Sex. I am your host Eve Eurydice. I am Greek from the island of Lesbos, where the lesbians come from. I've written three books on female sexuality, Satiricon USA, published by Scribner, F32, The Second Coming with Virago, F32. I was a staff writer on Sex at Spin Mag and Gear Mag. I wrote the Sex Files column. I am the founder of the Institute for Self-Satisfaction. Um, I have worked on female sexuality and human sexuality for the entirety of my career in many different media. And this podcast is geared toward bringing in the community and embracing the idea of speaking sex for healing, healing of personal trauma, healing of world trauma, um, of speaking our way in truth and honesty through repression and into the light. So my guest today is uh, an ideal guest for that. <laughs> uh, it's yes. Nic- Nicole Soden. Um, she's an artist, a sculptor, a healer, a space activator, and a Taoist master, which she'll explain to us what that means. Um, and she has uh, worked uh, for a long time through sacred sexuality to heal her own traumas and then everyone else's sexual traumas. So welcome to the podcast. Ah, hello. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, I <coughs> kind of uh, I was aware um, of your work and how and the synergy, yes. you know, between what we do. But now I get the opportunity to find out in detail. I know. I think it's really <laughs> great. I've admired your work for a while. And... Um, I was even one of the curators uh, for Miami's Independent Thinkers in oh 2009. Right. Wow, we, yeah. We showed your work, and I remember the discussion that we had <laughs> between the group of curators as you submitted. And I was like, nuts. <laughs> She's definitely in the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that. Um, one of, one of the things that I enjoy about your work the most is the playful way that it um, embraces sexuality in all of its forms and and the intricacy of your vision and the way you move the narrative through the images. I think it's really, mm. really well considered. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I use the stitch. I mean... the. You know, mm-hmm. the visual work and the written work are very similar because I, I use the stitch the same way I use the words, you know, and yes. the signs. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really believe in words the way people do who don't think about what they are and how limited they are and mm-hmm. where they come from, right? Sure. So to me, the word is just like a very limited approximation and a, ti- a well, they can, tiny they way can through definitely. which yeah. we tr- have, s- you know, especially so much to express. Especially if you're not... Um, considering your vocabulary in a in a very mindful way, exactly. It, uh, most people, the words always or never comes out of their mouth rather easily. Right. And I think that um, you can you just shortchange yourself. Right, and especially when it comes to sex, which is like such a huge part of our private oh, yeah. lives, <laughs> daily lives, for sure, and like the generator of all life. Right. Without Absolutely. it, there is no humanity, um, and yet we do not talk about it at all. We have no words that we're taught when it comes to you know oh, yeah. articulating no, sex. There has been mm. no like healthy. Um, I think this is the first generation that's really pushing, developing right. a healthy vocabulary I think so too. and opening things yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. You know, we go to school, it's not mentioned. Our parents, not mentioned. Our oh. peer group, you know, like, oh, yeah, gross. People oh, just talk about slutty. their conquests. Oh, yeah. It's just judgy, judgy, judgy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the body, I mean... We yeah, live so in a bo- we live yeah, in our body. Exactly. You'd think you'd think we people live in would our body. We're controlled not to by avoid it. <laughs> our hormones. There mm-hmm. is no way out. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So in in a way, I think what happens is that many of us um, end up 
having this, you know, dichotomy, you know, this binary dichotomy between the sense of self and the body, and we even treat our body as like a sex object of our own. Yes. So, so we kind of internalize that whole, you know, male gaze. Which is which is what the selfie has done. Right, and the <laughs> selfie, yeah, has promoted that. <laughs> well, already we like take a selfie, but just from the neck down or just this spot and that's uh one of the features of pornographic photography right, right. isolating the body parts mm-hmm. and you put you know you post the photo of you in a bikini and then you go into the app that um you know edits it <laughs> <laughs> filter 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 right so you make it look like something that you know is not you oh yeah and that satisfies you but it breaks you into Two parts. It, it fragments your. Right. It fragments right. the, uh, the the. It fragments all of the ideation that you have around yourself. It it yeah. makes you. It takes you away from your body. Yeah, but then it. But then you get all these likes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On it, and so <laughs> then, so then it, it like it, it 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 triggers all of these like pleasure responses in your body because you've been acknowledged for doing something good. And then there you have it. You're in a loop. Yeah. You're in that loop where you don't know what your body wants. You don't know how to say it. You know, you're just looking at it from the outside and, you know, presenting and like, it to the world. that looks great. Yeah, that <laughs> looks great. Yeah, that, not I. <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, one of the most important things a person can do for themselves is develop um, body awareness and... Um, and just really begin to accept the way, the manner that your body communicates to you. And that means that you're going to have to face, you know, the mistakes that you're making when you see them, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually, if you give yourself a little slack on that <laughs> and, and allow yourself to kind of laugh your way through the process and... Right. Then, well, then you, you then you're on, then you, then you started your journey. You know. Yeah, you have to. We have to. We all, I think, have to like unlearn so much. Is definitely. You know, by the time you hit consciousness, I don't know, somewhere in your twenties, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, okay, yeah, everything I was told about body, sex, pleasure, yeah. I have to, you know, bit reverse by bit. engineer. Yeah. 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 And you have to like reprogram each and neural, well, neural pathway. <laughs> but that's the, and but those are the people that actually will take the time to do that. Most most of the people, most people that I've run into, I mean, I, there's been an acceleration um, of uh, you know people more and more people being open to consciousness expansion and connecting to different practices that would help or encourage, you know, body awareness. I think that it was unavoidable because of all the the different plagues of the Western world that were right. just badgering us and, um, you know, all the different strange cancers and everything. But body awareness but and body acceptance and body celebration and, yeah. you know, body positive, all of that. Oh, you certainly. Know. Yeah. We can't live without it. If we did, we would just... Well, we do live, but we suffer, and we, you know, there's so much, like, self-hatred and, you know, oh, yeah. depression and in, inadequacy and anxiety, and it, you know, so mm-hmm. much of it is because we just... Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with your simply. sexual identity, and, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many people that have, like, body dysmorphia, and exactly. they're perfectly... Natural. <laughs> yeah. <And then laughs> look, it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with their physique. They're exactly the way their genetics have put them together, which we need genetic diversity in order to mm-hmm. maintain <laughs> the species. <clears throat> and, um, and, and, and all they do is turn, like, self-hate inwards. Yeah. And, I mean, that's... It, it is something that that actually creates so many diseases. Like, I mean, I work as a healer, right? So I was, see, yeah, yeah, I was studying Western medicine and I was going to be a surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing, my, but like, my you're parents, so far from it. I, I know, my, my parents were like, yay, 
our smartest child. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, at the time, um, uh, you know, uh, my my parents had a second child, uh, I mean, a third child, when I was 16. So I, I, I have, like, this pairing. <laughs> um, anyway... So tell so me a little bit, because I was, I was, speaking yeah. of child, yeah. yeah, let's go back a little bit. So sure. you have a story with your babysitter. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a, oh, I do. a oh, good start yeah. of your sure. life narrative. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, how, the, how, how do the statistics go? One in four women um, wow. are sexually abused. That, but not that young. Yeah. So uh, you were a child. I was six. Oh. Yeah. I was six. I had a babysitter. Um, Who was... Fifteen? Yeah, he was fifteen. And it was fun. You know, we had had a couple of babysitters that were girls and and then and they just basically, you know, talked to the boyfriends all night, you know, bosses around and ate all the cookies and blamed it on us. <laughs> and then we had this great um babysitter who was a guy who was an older brother of one of the boys in the neighborhood that we hung out with and he was the be- he was so much fun. Then they then they moved, and we, my mom was going to call the old babysitter. Again, we're like, no, it was so much more fun um, with the guy, you know, the male babysitter. And my brother was there. He's two years older than me. But that just made him eight, you know? <laughs> and, um, and yeah, he, so my mom says, oh, my, my friend from work, she was working in a, a clinic, um her they she had a 15 year old son and was like oh this would be you know maybe this will work and and then it, just this weird and he was he was great fun and he was cool but then he started doing all these strange things you know like m- making games turn in different directions and um you know uh, it went on like I mean, it it worked up to a certain place, and then it went on for a couple of months. And I, I, you know, as it got more and more intense, it was it was strange. He like treated me like uh, like he was actually like really in love with me, mm-hmm. and it was really this weird kind of thing that I was like, oh, what's what is this? But like, you know. I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, well, that's and the predatory was, method. I mean, that's the, free, you know, Humbert Humbert method yeah. in a sense, you know, and that's how they also justify it to themselves. So right. other than the rapists, you know, most right. of them mm-hmm. will bring in the whole romance narrative right. well, I mean also and use he, it. Yeah, and he played, to, to, he played Dungeons and Dragons and mm, he was like, you know, it fantasy. started like as a role-playing thing right, and like right. you have these powers and this is and that or like, you know... I'd be like, okay, rescue, and so the you know he'd like t- he'd tie my brother to up to something. And be like, okay, you need to try to get out, and Nicole's gonna hide over here, and you know. And it was just like, and then all of a sudden, my brother would wouldn't be able to help you, know, you. Help or me watch, or, save or yeah, right. And so it was just very, it was very strange, and um, and did you tell your mom? No, no, mm. no, I didn't. Um, but you did ask for him to stop coming, or? Well, no, um, I. <laughs> no this, pun intended. This, is, <laughs> this was, um, this was, uh, no, just out of nowhere, um, my body just manifested chickenpox. Wow, well, that's good. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, yeah, and there was my mom said always said that it was very strange because there was no, I had no exposure to any other kids that had chickenpox just out of out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Boom, chicken box, and um, extreme distress. And then, he, and then he ended up getting it. Mm. And it, it's it's apparently much worse for older people. <laughs> um, and so, then, you got, so you got a little tiny bit of revenge. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, and then, um, and then I just you know the things he told me like he told me the whole brainwashing thing. If you ever tell anyone, you know, you're... He told me that there was, like, some weird... Um, 
you know, that I was going to go blind and deaf and that everyone that my, in my family would go away and all my friends would, you know, disappear like that. It would be like some, you know, he did some super weirdo Dungeons and Dragons, like pretend style thing. And I was just like, and then uh, terrified, like when I was in fifth grade, even my, and my friends, my best friend moved to Maryland there was some weird trigger in my head that was like, it's because, and I was like, well, I hadn't even told her, you know? But wow. anyway, some weird, well, he how, never he never came back to be our babysitter because he did some weird thing after that. And we just kind of, I just kind of stuffed it. I didn't know how to deal with it. A couple, two years later. That's the part of propaganda, you know? Two years later, I ended up having appendicitis. And I just, I had told my mom, I read in that book, Madeline, you know, mm-hmm. she ended up having appendicitis mm-hmm. and I was just I like, remember that. yeah, Madeline. and I was like, oh, something was wrong with her stomach. I'm, so I was like, I must have appendicitis. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I kept telling my mom, I have appendicitis, mom. And she was like, no, you don't. You probably just have gas, honey, rub your tummy. <laughs> and um but then, yeah, and within two years, I manifested appendicitis. And and then I was like, okay, fine. Like, my brain wasn't processing that anymore. I had, I definitely suffered from, like, depression, I think, as a child. Because of it, I was very, um, you know, I was wounded. And I, and I didn't, I couldn't really understand why. Um, when I was about 15, uh, I had a, you know, I had a boyfriend and, uh, and he kept pressuring me to, you know, get involved. And I was just like, no, 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 no. I I really stuck with it. And, um, and it was just, it was so when you had sex was, finally, yeah, I mean, and, and with the, your like, boyfriend, yeah, then I found it out felt traumatic. He, well, I told him the mm. reason I never mm. wanted. He was the first person I told, and um, I was like, "Well, the reason I've always pushed it back is because this happened to me when I was younger, and I'm just really not, you know, it makes me nervous. I get kind of freaked out." And he was like, he was very supportive. He had gone through something when he was a child, um, and. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, that happens, that happens to more to people too. than just yeah, me. Exactly. Yeah. And so I felt comforted. Da, da, da. Okay. And then two weeks later, I found out that he had never expected me to sleep with him. And he had kept another girlfriend in another school. And I was just like, I had this like double betrayal thing. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I told the first person I tell is this. It was horrible. And it was a, it was a, it was a train wreck. Nobody knows how to talk about it. Right. Oh yeah. And, and then, then there was the date rape thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was horrible. Um, so, yeah. And no, because nobody talks about sex or whatever. Like I couldn't go talk to my mom, or anything like that. And you know, like I ended up, I had like a. Whatever. This is all. It's all stuff that I learned from. Right. So. Whatever I ended up having a an allergic reaction to the like the condom spermicide from that, so then I thought I had a, like some terrible venereal disease on top of all the shame or whatever, <laughs> and um, yeah, I just I lo- I lost it, um, and um, and I actually um, you know. And then you moved, you, you, you mean, were yeah. dating someone who, in a polyamorous relationship, Yeah, right? well, I mean... Soon this after is, that. Yeah, I mean, there was... Which there in was a way may have tr- been a, a, a release you didn't, not consciously, I'm, I'm sure, but I think uh, it was subconsciously trying, yeah. was giving you a break from like that having it all like, focused on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I think that was, I think that probably actually helped me. Um, the f- by the time I got over that, I went to therapy for three years after that bit. <laughs> and that was fantastic. Um, and, um, and I really became more self-empowered and then I ended up in, um, a relationship with someone who was polyamorous and I was like, what? (laughs) 
you know, I'm 17, 18 years old, you know, he was old, he was 23, 24, and, but, you know, my brain just didn't work with guys my age, and, um, whatever, he was in a band that I was with, you know, he was in a band, it was the 90s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was the 90s. <laughs> and girls were coming in and out. Yeah, and, and the things were so, yeah, and, um. I had had ever I had a, had a relationship with a girl, and um, and you know, I had I had really taken a stand for, you know, gay rights at my school, um, mostly just because people were starting to gossip, and I was like, oh, you think you're funny? I'm gonna show you funny, <laughs> and I just made a spectacle out of the people that were trying to make fun of me, mm-hmm. and you know. And turned the whole change. As a matter of fact, someone came up to me when I was in in college, and they said they thanked me for starting the gay revolution at Killian. Oh, <laughs> they were like, "Thank you so much. You changed everything." That's great. The whole no, everyone was able to come out after uh-huh. you did that, and the whole school's been different. And I was like, "Really? <laughs> Thank you. Yay!" <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I was in a polyamorous relationship. But it was it it was one that had like a double standard, because you, you were know, not supposed to have boys come in and out. Right. Or if oh. any any time I exercised, you know, like I decided to go to the movie with so and so, you know, mm-hmm. not not like I had him in my bed, mm-hmm. you know, or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, it would totally he would freak out, and I was like, wow. And what about you so with how girls? That, was it okay if you slept with girls? Um. Uh, Yes. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's also a very familiar trope, you know, and I, I mm-hmm. really don't know why, because, you know, being with a woman is equally powerful, but for some reason, guys, you know... Uh, yeah, they think, well, make it's it not into like, like they can replace my dick or right, anything. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they think that... <laughs> <laughs> so, well, at least she doesn't have a cock. I mean, yeah, you'll always exactly. be back. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they think that it's all for, like, their visual pleasure. <laughs> and and it, it mystifies oh, me, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think that um, for the visual pleasure, I, 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 had a, I had a boyfriend one time... Um, who he tried to, who kept trying to art direct our like <laughs> sex. <laughs> yeah. I, I was yeah. like, I know you're I know Or videotaping you, everything. You work for a huge ad agency and you're really great art director, but like please <laughs> please can we work on what feels good as opposed to like angles. Oh it looks <laughs> camera angles. <laughs> yeah. Because like I'm not enjoying myself right now. <laughs> but but I'm sure it's a great shot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of things happen. You know, I think everybody has a story that's yeah. filled with challenges and yeah. and painful situations. Um, I think that the way to really get around that is um, is to take those situations and to turn them into something mm-hmm. that you build on mm-hmm. and that you, you know, that you allow the transformation to occur. When well, I was, I mean, hold on, Short, shortly after I had this, you know, experience with the polyamorous relationship, um, I, I, you know, I was, I still had a lot of anger that I hadn't dealt with a different, and I, I was completely, like, I didn't have sex at all, and I was just like, you know, I was I was struggling with the the conflict of the multiplicity of these different traumas, and nobody knew how to nobody knew how to um, really listen. I mean, my mom was really nice and gave me this book called The Wounded Heart, which was a workbook for dealing with um, using faith to deal with your you know childhood sexual trauma. And I was like, thank you, but, um, and I know Jesus loves me a lot. I love him too, <laughs> but, <laughs> but please don't show me a Bible verse to help me understand. Right. I know, right. I know. <laughs> like, I'm not ready for that. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and um, I was angry, and I, 
And um, I started working, um, I, you know, I, I worked as a performer. Um, and that's where I found a lot of release. Dancing gave me back, like, my spirit. Mm-hmm. With the body, because it's physical. So mm-hmm. Yeah. You and so use your body. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was able in to In a public reclaim. space, uh-huh. in, yeah, in front of others. So that's very empowering. Mm-hmm. I, mean, the, I mean, the night that, it, you know, I came back into that strength, you know, I was just by a lake, you know, under the stars, and I had taken some awesome LSD. And I was like, you know, when was the last time I was actually happy? And I realized it was when I was dancing, when I was mm. a little girl, like in dance class or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I decided I just needed to dance more. And so I just stood up and just started, you know. And then that was it. And, like, the universe just gave, provided me with the opportunity. No, that's, um, and in, that's in, what it gave. I think it it's gave a great form of that. You know, Gabriel Roth has had a whole mm-hmm. career based on that. You just dance the ecstatic dance until... Yeah. You know, you free yourself as yeah. much as possible from the scarring Absolutely. of the trauma. You know, Absolutely. And you the residue. Do that, and that's what mm-hmm. it is. It's almost like, a, it's almost like an, an, an a internal energetic right. like scrubbing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And your whole body gets involved. When you're working with a tool, mm-hmm. you have a repetitive motion. Your whole body's not completely involved. But when you're, when you're dancing or when you're involved in some, you know. Yeah. Well, that's the, also the original Kundalini meditation, you know, the way that uh, Osho mm. introduced it. It's just dance, dance mm-hmm. yourself until you're free from all that right. you know, interior, mm. whatever, trash. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, and uh, Until you're no longer a dumpster. Yeah, ex- until you're no longer a dumpster. <laughs> yeah, and then you can fill, fill yourself up with... Uh, with uh, all the all the good uh, all the yeah, good and juice. you find exactly, all but it takes juice. a long time. I mean, it does, what's because important when you do, to say it that ro- it takes years. It's if, not like a qu- there is no quick fix. No, there's no quick fix. Also, because by the time you realize that there's something truly wrong or something wrong that's stuck with you, then you then it's abscessed already. Mm-hmm. And it's grown into different areas, and it's affected you holistically, whether you understand it or not. And if the and most of the time, what culture provides us with is um, are like our our modeled behaviors for reinforcing the negative or reinforcing the structure of, you know, the the like the poor health choices you know well, misogyny the, patriarchy all of that you're reinforcing um, that yeah and and tolerances about sexual harassment and rape and all these things yeah i mean just as many i mean i don't know about just as many but i know i've met i've met several guys that have you know gone through similar things and I'm sure you know. Oh yeah, me too. Worse, I totally. have. Uh, me too. I have. I've met when guys who were, you know, first like fingered by their grandmothers. I, I mean, it's just the, the stories are. <laughs> oh my God! There's like, so many stories. Um, yeah, it's so. You know, their aunts. And that's in just childhood. Like, yeah. So you know, they're but the like teachers. I, I have a in, friend. Uh, I have a friend who middle school. I have a friend whose middle school teacher, you know, taught him how to eat her out in order to teach him how to have sex with girls. But she never pleased Middle him. School? Oh, wow. How, you know, imagine that wow. little psyche growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but I mean, I have a friend who, who um, who's, his mother was a, a lesbian and the, like his, his mother's girlfriend taught him like, how to like his first gave him his first ex sexual exploration, but he's he considers it to be like one of the greatest gifts of his life. He's like that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah, and I'm well, just like wow. I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of the <laughs> she guys must have I think done it in a very celebratory way for you to feel like. No, I think that's actually <laughs> not unusual, and the reason is that it's harder for men to uh, you know embrace the the consciousness of of 
passivity of being a victim of having something done to you that's much di- more mm-hmm. difficult for especially yeah. straight men uh, you know yeah and so I think my that it's easier for them well. to to say you know it taught me how to be you know better in bed and how to please women yeah. or how to you know be sex positive but whether it's in your 20s or 40s or 60s the thing's gonna catch up with them oh, it does yeah because my, they my had no agency and mm-hmm. there is no denying that they had no agency whether right. or not they liked it they had no agency they were not asked right sure yeah um and and i think that's the big you know and that's like the big thing that we've learned because of me too and and i you know oh, yeah. i'm very happy about that because oh i'm so glad that in, happened in our generation even even date rape like i feel like date rape was so vaguely understood Oh yeah right? and and I mean there were whole drugs like pushed yep. for it like I I remember the drugs and the but also like <laughs> the boundaries you know like if you were really good friends with someone or even more you know like uh, confusing if you had already had slept with someone before consensually yes then you didn't even know like you didn't know what is this because I didn't want it to happen but I had wanted it to happen once before and or like you know we were in bed together oh, yeah, was I asking for it there was no oh, like no. You know, <laughs> there were no definitions I know and that was uh, that was something that that happened in my in my situation I there was the person that you know that I had this experience with I had slept with them once before, like the year before or something. And I was out and somebody had put something in my drink and he was like, well, I, it, I think something happened. I think somebody put something in your drink. I'm going to take you home. Da-da. I thought he was driving me to my house. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And then um, I passed out in his car. And then when I woke up, like I woke up in the middle of this action, and I was like... In the middle of having sex or being whatever. And I, I was like, what? <laughs> and in my, the first thought was like, wait, wait a second. I don't, how come? What's he doing? Like, what's going on? How did I get to this place? What was said? What transpired? And I, I'm like, no, the last thing I remember was falling asleep in his car. Yeah. And um, And then... You know, the whole next day, I mean, like, you know, and I, whatever, it was, it was strange. Like, I had to get home, you know, and, uh, and he just kept trying to reassure me, like, he had really taken care of me, you know, and I was like, and he was like, wow, anyone could have done that shit, you know, of that, and I was like, oh, so I'm lucky that it was just you, you know, that did it? (laughs) And it was like, I'm just going to go home and, you know, have a nice glass of water and collect myself. But as the, you know, as the day moved on and the next day, you start really, it starts all sinking Suffering. In. I, yeah. went to, I went to my doctor and talked to her. Um, and she was like, yeah. Yep, that's what you call it. And um, and I was shaken, you know. I, I didn't, I don't think I went out of my house for like... Six months or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, was you know what you know what you know what saved me from uh, like full blown recluse for like ever was um, these two beautiful little Mormon missionary boys that came and knocked on my door, <laughs> and they were just so shiny faced and just like these pure. Be- oh my gosh, they don't they like they don't even touch. Like by the time they go through there. They don't even have direct skin contact with women for two <laughs> years. And I was like, oh, wait a these second. These guys are safe. <laughs> I was like, look at these like strapping young lads. <laughs> like They were so handsome, too. I was like, oh. Yeah, they give and you your like, power back. And they wanted me to, um, and they wanted to talk about like faith and and you know archaeology basically and i was like oh step into my parlor <laughs> it was really it was really it was it was a beautiful gift that i feel like i received and so i met with them and i talked to them and i you know because of um you know i i went i lived in a house where we would go to church like every sunday i went to christian school all these things so catholic uh, yeah no um 
Protestant? Uh, yeah. Mm. And um, yeah, I went to Westminster Christian School mm -hmm. for many, many years. I finished at a public high school. Um, but um, it was, uh, you know, the, my parents always taught the, uh, like, the occult seminars or, like, the... I did a lot of comparative religious studies just because, you know, it's something that, you know, was around... It was just around, you know. I was... And so when these Mormons came to my... The el they're called elders. <laughs> they're called elders, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> the boys are on a mission, and they're called elders. <laughs> anyway, they... Um, yeah, the only 20-year-old elders you'll meet, by the way, which is adorable. Um, and they came, and I was like, oh, it's you. I was like, oh, you know, I start recalling. I was like, reformed Egyptian, huh? They used an umen and thumen to see through, and they were just like, they thought I was a member of their church just like taking the piss at the door. And I was like, no, I just do you know, a lot of comparative religious studies and I've learned a lot about certain things, so I just was like, these two guys want to come over and debate religion with me for a couple weeks? Okay. And um, I felt like at the end of it, I just really needed, um, you know, a ritual cleansing, you know? So I went and had my, I let myself be baptized. <laughs> oh, wow. I totally, yeah, I was like, I, after, I had just been... Wow. I had just been raped, and they were offering me a ritual, like this God delivered, you know, the universe delivered cleansing these pure, you know, th these pure boys to my house to come and offer me the ritual cleansing that I, that I needed. And I saw it exactly for what it was, and I just appreciated it, and uh, I was like, thanks. <laughs> and was that like but I, I, had no, I had no intention of, like, you know, joining a ward and Mormonism marinating. No, crime. no, I just needed... You know, I needed like I felt. Like, I feel like the universe delivered these safe, pure mm -hmm. boys, you know, to my house so that I could talk about different things. And I talked to them about, you know, what their sexual like. Well, they were a, a what their sexuality was, and male. I was like, "Tell me about your undergarments," you know, like. Right. Yeah. And I asked all the questions somebody would have wanted to ask them, and I, you know, we debated a number of different things. And um, I'm glad I had the chance to do that because they were probably, they were like the two safest Yeah, models of masculinity <laughs> that you could get at that time. Exactly, and yeah. I needed it. And, um, and um, yeah, I mean, they, they probably were a little upset that I didn't keep going to church. <laughs> But so I had that, other stuff to do. You, um, <laughs> so was that your entry, you'd that, say, into your journey through Sacred no. sexuality and, you know, oh, no. sex well, and religion. Well, I mean, I think that... Um, Making sex holy again. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I think um, I've always... I've, I, I don't know. I've always kind of been aware of the concept. When I was a little girl and I found out that you could marry God, I was like, no way. Oh, the bride of Christ. I was like, you can, I was like, nuns are married to God. No way, that must be awesome. <laughs> and that was like, if, if you asked me, like at five years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have been like, I want to be a nun. And, my, and then my dad started explaining to me, well, you know, there are no Protestant nunneries and... You know, and then he started breaking down for me all the dogma of the Catholic Church that he didn't agree with because he had been raised Catholic, and he was like, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, by the way, this is pagan, that's pagan, blah, blah. Like, my father was like Mr. Counterculture, mm. and um, we knew. I lapsed. It was, it was you fantastic You get the lapsed stuff. Catholic parent, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not getting was, away from that. <laughs> so he told me all that stuff, and I was like, whoa, you guys sure screwed this up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, That's, it sounds like it should be the most awesome job in the world. <laughs> so how did you get you guys, from there, knew, from like yeah. that home, into Tao? Oh, Tao right. experience, oh, Tao was, monastery, oh, right, right. and then Tao so mastery. Right. So when I was 21, um, I started having I started having this weird experience of like car accidents, and I like, like not just like, 
oh, oh, that was strange and unfortunate. Like, no, in a period of three years, I had five car accidents, like, back-to-back, full totals. Wow. And I was like, what the fuck? You were shaking. What's going, what's going on? But really what, what needed to happen was just that, that everything around, like in my life just needed to like break into pieces so that it could be remade. Because if there was any fragment of that, uh, you know, that prison that I had, that had, be, had created itself around my life experience and the, the things that stopped me from, from um, you know, becoming who I really wanted to be, or expressing myself, or, or even, or even knowing, or even knowing what it was that I wanted to be at all, you know, I, I just it had to. I had. Well, to. you kept being stopped at your tracks again and again. Yeah, and I was like, so, so I was like, well, this changed direction completely. And I ended up, I ended up going to, um, like, finding my way. I a Taoist mission. Um, yeah, I met a guy who was a philosophy major, and um, and he uh, he he asked me what I believed in, and I and I so I explained to him. My philosophy, you know, I had I had all these kids on my block that, um, that um, we all we all had to live by the same you know rules in the family. Nobody could lie. Nobody could disrespect their parents. Nobody could steal. Nobody could commit all of these crimes against their you know fellow man. And everybody needed to be polite, you know. <laughs> so I was like, how come I can't spend the night at my Japanese friend's house on Sunday? On Saturday night, because we have to go to church in the morning, I don't understand. You know, and like, on my block growing up, there was a Japanese family, a Chinese family, an Indian family, and, you know, Catholics, Baptists, you know, people from all over. The, it was like, all the, and all the kids just ran together, you know. And we had a wonderful time, but everybody's parents had something to say about everybody else's house. Like, well, the other, yeah, or exactly, a lot of other, right? People. Yeah, and I was just like, well, it it concerned me that my, you know, that all my friends were going to go to hell. So I really was trying to figure it out, <laughs> and uh, it gave me an amazing opportunity to question the leaders of my church. Um, with some, so what was with this real mission? pure things, they uh, they never they could never answer me, mm. and so um, when this guy asked me what I believed, and I told him, I said I think, you know, that there's like this universal truth, and he said that sounds like Taoism, and I was like really, and he hands me the book The Tao of Pooh, mm. and um, <laughs> I, and I was like cool, he's like keep it, I was like thanks. And then within six, like then the next time I saw the guy, there was like absolutely no chemistry or attraction. It was super weird. And it was like all he needed to do was like hand me that book and then it just clicked out. And, and then within six months, there was a Taoist mission that opened up in the horse country in Miami. Oh, that's yeah. what brought you here. And, um, and they had sent a mission over from China just like all of the, you know, Christian and Catholic missionaries, missionaries right, and they right. were like, well, and they said that um, it was because of the, um, because the time of Maitreya was almost upon us, and we were told we had to come to Miami. Sweet. That they received a word. Oh my God, I love this story. So they came, <laughs> and I was like, no kidding. And you came too. And so, and then I was there, they had just set up the temple, and it was, it was in a, like they bought, they had bought a big house on five acres out in horse country, and it was just they just ran, and it was great. You know, there are a bunch of people that, um, you know, was that came. You know who who was there also? Evie, um, she does a lot of. Uh, she's in India right now, but and I, there were a lot of people that went to the temple with me that are actually doing well. Claudia um, Costa, and uh, she does combo healing. And, uh, um, yeah. Anyway, so I was there, and I studied there for three years. 
And that was while I was going through all of those car accidents. So all I could do was go to physical therapy and just try to fix my broken body. And and I went to the and Dallas Temple. And yeah. I went to and I went to the Dallas Temple and cultivated. And I just kept cultivating. And um, so what did what did that teach you about sexuality and healing? Sex, well, I sexual I healing. Did, I didn't really like <laughs> the. the um, the the one thing that I learned the, I learned the most in the temple was understanding um, the the um, the form like the formal and ritual aspects of taking the time to put this much effort into achieving um, like your balance or is very thorough. Like, you know, ceremonies was like a thousand bows and like, you know, and you would get into these meditative whole body sort of trance states and it was beautiful and it it's it's what my spirit needed. And very physical. It's it a very was. physical mm-hmm. yeah. form of, you know, worship or yeah. I don't know if we call it worship. Um, energy. The um the I I really was just it was I needed the Tao to rediscover ba- like real balance mm-hmm. in my life, but it was a he- it was a heck of a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that's I, the whole unlearning, it's right? And so I ended up leaving. You know, um, I ended up they. You know, I was supposed to take a higher, um, you know, initiation in the temple, um, purification of the mouth ceremony. And I was like, what does that entail exactly? And they were like, well, you know, no, the standards, no drinking, no smoking, no drugs, no foul words, no meat. No sex. No, no garlic, no onions. And I was like, wait. Yes, sex I was like, no hang sex. on a second. Only ein Minuten, bitte. What in the world is wrong with garlic and onions? Um, and, you know. They make you aggressive. Well, that's what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I eat them, but that's what the explanation yeah, is. That sure, they make, it's yeah, sure, it's heat. Yeah, but I mean, there's, I mean, uh, then you need balance. I ended up sitting there, speaking to the master and the, <coughs> and um, you know, his first, first mate, you know, <laughs> um, about it, and I was able to turn the whole. I was actually able to just in this really well, mannered and polite way ex- like express the exact reason why you know having garlic and onions in a glass of red wine was one of my truths having, <laughs> <laughs> having northern european blood was one of the requirements yeah, like, I'm, I'm <laughs> for ger- life <laughs> german irish on my father's side german english on my mother's side and like heart disease and high cholesterol like ran on like ones on one side of the family ones on the other and i was like I'm pretty positive that those are things that I should do for the rest right. of my life. So that's a right. truth that you need to understand, you know, because, and I, you know, and I know that there were plenty of, like, there's a different, you know, reaction to alcohol. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a friend who was Malaysian who just turned bright red every time she would drink anything. I was like, I could see what you would say. You, you know. might profit from not drinking. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I was like, you don't tolerate <laughs> it. So, um, and then, you know, the master just smiled and looked at me and he was like, you're, you know, you're wiser than your years. And uh, nice. he said, don't stop cultivating. Don't stop cultivating. Stick with it keep doing it and so I did um and um and when I was working and, and performing at Backdoor Bambi I had already spent three years in a Taoist temple <laughs> and like everything that I was understanding and learning everything that I did at, from that time onward I saw with the true sight of the Tao that's what happens when you have the initiation they open your heavenly portal yeah and you see things for it as they really are um, and that also gives you access to understand and see the flow of energy patterns in spaces and in people and in, you know, like understanding the flow in the things. 
Um, and if I hadn't kept cultivating, then, you know, I, I wouldn't have learned it to the degree that, you know, I'm, that's so finely tuned now. Um, so but, now you're a master of Yes, I just got Congratulations. Oh, man, that's been... It took me a long time. Took a hell of a long time. Um, and uh, when I was in my 21st year of initiation, um, I ended up, like, shaving the top of my head, <laughs> um, which is considered a tonsure. Um, and I just was tired of hiding my wisdom. I was like... Mm. It's nice. time. It's time. And because I have this streak here naturally, and I was like, you know what? Um, it's, I'm going to be sharing my wisdom with people now, as opposed to trying to pretend like I can do anything else. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, and I moved my, you know. I think that. Um. I think that all the different hardships that I that I had, I made sure that they didn't break me. You know, like uh, okay, so no, so so you're broken. Wiser. So it happens. Right. Everybody, everybody, everybody goes through some kind of breaking, some sense of terrible loss, because that's what life's about. We're supposed to overcome things. We're supposed to meet challenges. We're supposed to become stronger than we started out. That's what, like, we're chromosomes in the cosmic body. We need to, we need to grow and evolve and adapt. We have to share information and and create new systems. Mm -hmm. That's emergent mm -hmm. theory, mm -hmm. you know. And there's and what isn't it wonderful that sex is so much fun. Because that's one of the one of the most basic ways you can create yeah, something. Exactly. But it, that kind it's of it's one of the most basic portals for liberation because it hasn't been taken over by the system by whatever dominant you yeah, know social whatever. system whatever you want to call it. Sure. It hasn't. It, it, it exists inside you. Right. So it there is exists a, in the wild. Yeah, there are constructs that come from our social system that do their best to wrangle us in and keep us. Right, but they, they stop outside the actual sexual act. You know, once yeah. you're one one naked, you know, lights dim or whatever, mm. all those constructs mm. for that short period of time are gone. Well, and it's just, you know, you and... With any luck, a person right. can get rid of them. But yeah. plenty of people bring all those constructs into their sexuality. And I think that that's... That's one of the things that I try to do with the, with the healing work that I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because and that's why you yeah, really that's why we're here, and also by the way, that's why you know we we, we try to get the next generation mm -hmm. just a touch freer, mm -hmm. a touch more ready, right. a little more mature. Oh, sure. Give them more words. Yeah, that's so what that's can, what's going on with my daughter. My daughter's right. twelve. And so I'm like, how do you, how do I raise my daughter? How do I, how do I, you know, how do I teach sex positivity without teaching, without encouraging promiscuity? Exactly. How do I deal with... A good question. You know, and, um, and my daughter identifies as, um, you know, bisexual, if not more interested in girls, honestly. <laughs> and Great. I was just like, well... That's great, babe. You know, love is love in our house. That's right. And, yeah. and, and we're all bisexual. Do I sound like a bad song? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think I think everybody has like variations of yeah uh, of it. I think so too. And I, you know, I I feel kind of sad that we have like these like distinct uh, you know categories. So like, mm -hmm. if you're gay, you can't but be gay. You know. I feel like everyone oh. contains every possibility. The other day, someone told me that uh, I said something about what the the heterosexual relationships that some gay men have had, and my friend who looked over me, who was who was gay, and was like, "Oh no, oh was it? Oh no, it was a straight guy." And he was like, "What? That that never happens." And I was like, <laughs> "How many?" How many gay men do you know? <laughs> like, there's plenty of, 
I mean, everyone. The, I've I've met very few people that have never exactly. tried yeah, the, me too. Uh, the me other too. ice cream flavors. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that what's it's interesting, what's happening with the non-binary exploration. I think that. Um, I think that what's happening is a. Uh, It's a, it's it's a it's an elegant response to the structure and conformity of the of what the um, the things that define the patriarchy because it is you know exactly like the 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 popularity of of the drag revolutions and 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 the trans what's happening with you know the acceleration of Um, transgender and um, you know your gender identity and you know changing things or like I just think that it's so it's that it almost needed to happen um, partly to smack the patriarchy yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> the I agree you know we, we have like, to try to yeah, stay fluid and to. again you know we ca- I can't speak we can't speak for everyone but I agree mm-hmm. like everything that seems to be fluid and going through one from one gender to the other mm-hmm. or non-binary is wonderful because you know every every move every revolution gets co-opted by the patriarchy or by by the system I don't uh-huh. want to just call it patriarchy and, and look like right. men take advantage of it because they right. don't mm-hmm. but but the point is you know you have like the queer revolution and then within one generation they are turned into the status quo and they have gay marriage and they right. adopt kids and they do the same exact thing it doesn't you know so they're fully co-opted you know they they yeah. are the same you know they believe in capitalism and accumulating and not paying taxes yeah. so there is nothing revolutionary at all about it you know uh, so mm. like stonewall or whatever you know and and i, I feel that this is kind of like well, america's I, tendency for puritanism is to put like strict you know categories oh yeah and like good and bad right and wrong and that's not you know gay and straight so avoiding this is healthy i think that switching our our perspective from from dualistic to monistic is an important thing for us to understand because we all come from the same place we all have like you know, the ideas that there are masculine qualities and feminine qualities are completely, I think it's false because I can be just as strong and courageous as any guy and any guy can be just as emotional and nurturing, you know? And I think that it's, I think that it's high time we stopped complaining about the other people's, uh, you know, stuff and just start sharing you know that men can be beautiful yeah and tender and nurturing and that women can be strong and you know what and that doesn't mean that i don't that i that i i'm not going to ask for help to put up this bookshelf <laughs> you know because sometimes you just need someone to hold the other side for you that's right you know yeah, that's <laughs> it's, nice. it's okay you know um yeah i mean i'm a, i'm a sculptor i can i can do a lot of things um that a lot of guys can't you know but um but i i mean i i appreciate what what some men are are trying to do as far as evolve their own personal um like understand their own personal story to learn that they need to become full like, yeah and and also women are realizing that they need to become their own heroes and mm-hmm. that men And, you know, and we're deciding, I feel like as a, you know, at the collective consciousness is, is more fully engaged in making decisions um, about where its future is going because there were some people that were, you know, the dominant energetic paradigm was, uh, was full of... <laughs> Was, uh, was a was a load of bollocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just a load of bollocks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, good. Yeah. Well, 
that's about it. We yeah. talk non-stop <laughs> for I a know. full hour. I know, and I feel like have I still to come have back. like a million stories to tell you. <laughs> good, good, good. So come, sure. come back. You sure. come back. So you guys got, you guys got my intro. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Nicole. There's more for juicy coming. stories to come. <laughs> and thank uh, you for having me. Thank you for listening. This is uh, the end of this episode of Speak Sex. Yeah. yeah. Bye. I, bye.